Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strapper, Michael Palmer with you on this extra as we talk about a topic we've touched on before, but we want to dive a little deeper today. Also tease out some of the content you may see in the coming weeks here on Trending in Education as we talk about Gen Z, about their use of YouTube for learning and more generational content. Mike, how you doing today? Uh, excited about the conversation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dan. I was uh, I, w- I was looking at my Twitter feed uh, while you were talking. Could you could you repeat the question? Sure, absolutely. Are you excited about our conversation today? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm scintillated, <laughs> man. I'm I'm riveted. Uh, yeah, although uh, although as a as a Gen Xer, and and I am a member of Generation X. I will own that. I am not gonna I'm not gonna run away from it. I'm gonna I'm gonna own it because uh, because uh, I'm a big believer in uh in the importance of uh intergenerational diversity which is something that uh, that we're going to continue to touch on a little bit in the show uh but but yeah i think it's uh, i think it's really interesting uh, what you're raising there uh around the, the 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 trends around the different generations and uh because i think some of them are more like macro trends that just right. happen to be reflected in uh in the emerging trends for for the younger generations but uh, but I'm good, and uh, and shout out to Brandon too, who can't be with us for uh, for for this. But uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, looking forward to uh, to chatting it up with you. I think uh, that's a great point at the top. One we we have talked many times over about generations. We don't necessarily subscribe to bucketing learners by when they were born, uh, but it is a way that they are uh, talked about and assessed. So we're going to take information that is published and talk about it here uh, as thus. But I think Mike has in the past, we've had Tarlin on in the past as well, talking about generations. Uh, we like to look at the, the cross section of all of their uh, as learners. Uh, so we will talk about that later on. But YouTube here, Mike, and it's, a, it's an Ed Week uh, article that we're jumping off from. Uh, we'll interweave some other uh, content as well as we discuss. Edweek.org uh, pulled together a couple of different surveys to look at what they're dubbing Gen Z, uh, those uh, learning now in high school and, and college, uh, and their use of YouTube as a, a learning center. And, and that they are using, I think it was 83% uh, visit YouTube and, and 30 plus percent use it more than any other social media platform. Um, but this is something you've talked about in the past, that this generation, uh, as they are learners now, are using video more than audio or text per se to learn. It was a, an interesting dive. It's based off of a Pearson survey, a Pew Research survey, as well as thrown in there. Lots of content to dive into, but anything strike you, sort of broad macro uh, assumptions that may have been uh, verified or things that uh, you found interesting from the article here? Yeah, I, I think a few different things. So uh, so there there is reference to learning styles in there and, and the idea that uh, Gen Z and the younger generations are... Uh, "Quote unquote visual learners," and uh, that is something that we, uh, you know, one of our shows that we did, uh, you know, a few months back that that got a lot of response, and uh, something that we're going to continue to revisit is the notion of learning styles and the idea that different individuals uh, respond differently, uh, and that gets back to my point at the top, where like, you know, we're all humans, and you know, we have, um, you know, pretty similar, uh, you know brain structures and sort of cognitive capabilities that do uh, do develop over time. Um, and uh, I think it is interesting just to understand how much of this is true versus how much of this is, uh, is a myth. Um, and then also how much of it is reflective of how uh, 
the way we consume content is changing, uh, which is sort of a recurring uh, concept uh, that we've been covering a bunch, uh, whether it's how much our screens um, aiding in our learning or changing how we think. Um, it is really interesting when you start thinking about Generation Z. And uh, just to clarify, you know, Gen Z, um, I think, you know, the cutoff between millennials and Gen Z is, is, is another interesting idea. So um, as is the cutoff between any generation. So the idea that there are, um, you know, stark uh, changes right. in how humans are uh, based on their birth date. Uh, and if it's like, oh, sorry, you just missed the cut, uh, where I think we have a few folks who are cuspy, uh, you know, even in our midst. So I think both you, both you and Brandon are uh, uh, what I like to view as either cuspy, uh, cuspy millennials or cuspy Gen Xers. Right. Uh, you, you know, even the portmanteau of, uh, you know, millennial and uh, Gen Xer which I think we were calling uh, Xennials. Right. Uh, and then what this, what this article and what Gen Z uh, is, is interesting uh, uh, to me is the other angle, which is a Xennial with a Z. Or, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think of uh, as far as uh, folks in their early college years into uh, students who are just graduating from college, uh, you know, maybe in their, their, their late teens, early 20s, um, they're beginning to enter the workforce and uh, they're really the target of a lot of the thinking now because um, when we do think about the future of work, um, we're really trying to understand um, really that rising demographic. Um, I think it is interesting to, to, to start to tease out some of the distinctions between millennials and Gen Z. And um, I do think the, the, the article from uh, Edweek referenced Pearson research that really was trying to tease out what is different about millennials versus uh, Gen Z. And um, did anything Absolutely. strike you there? Like anything about the, the distinctions? Um, also, uh, feel free to refer to the next side of that equation, which is the distinctions between uh, millennials and Gen X. Um, cause that, that's something I think you, you are technically cuspy there, right? Dan? Right. Uh, depending on who you believe when it says what year the cutoff is. And I, I want to echo the idea that you're born January 1st, one year, as opposed to December 31st, another year, and you're supposed to be so different is kind of silly. And we've talked about that many times over, but <clears throat> yes, I'm, I'm cuspy. I was born in 81. Uh, I also had two older brothers, which I think is an influence of how I was raised that, I had older generations in my house and that's who I looked up to. Whereas if I was the oldest, I think that cascades down. I think that's life experience, nature versus nurture, whatever you want to uh, say there. But uh, I would say I, I trend up. I, I sort of, I, I play up to the generation rather than play down to the generation. Uh, I get plenty of 70s TV references that otherwise I would not get. Sure. Um, this uh, research from Pearson uh, is something I think we'll come back to because it's, it has a lot. There's a lot to, to dive into outside of the consumption of media. Talked about that with Gene Allen uh, Cowgirl earlier, Cowgill earlier this week um, around TikTok and Twitter. Um, lots here as well. Two things that struck me. One, uh, it was 2,587 people that responded, just to put that out there, 14 to 40 years old. So it's a, a comparison of Gen Z uh, to uh, millennials. And they talk about social media platforms, who uses what. Um, Facebook is trending down uh, for Gen Z. Instagram is up. I think those are you know anecdotal things we've seen. 
what's interesting to me is who they, uh, what they trust for their text and or learning ways. Uh, books, it's 60%. Uh, for millennials, 47% for Gen Z. So less than 50%, less than half of those surveyed said they don't you know, read books for learning. Uh, and the other one was YouTube, which we talked about at the top was 59% say uh, Gen Z says it's a preferred learning tool, tool YouTube, and then uh, 55% of millennials. So it's not that stark a difference. Mm-hmm. It's how much time they spend on it, though, that I find really intriguing here, Mike, that there are, what's, I want to get the exact number here, uh, spend three plus hours a day on YouTube. So three plus hours a day, 47% of Gen Z responders said they spent three plus hours a day on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's a gigantic number. And that just really goes to show it's 22% for millennials. Now, obviously, you're in school, you're, you're researching something, maybe you're learning uh, algebra, you're learning calculus, you're you know, trying to figure out uh, something about chemistry, and you're, you're researching every day, and you're trying to watch more, almost a flipped classroom here. Um, or, Mike, as we've talked before, is it the how-to's? Right. How, how do I do my laundry? How do I uh, change my, the oil of my car? How do I do X, Y, Z, which is one of the things we really see on YouTube. So that really stood out to me of, of the numbers here. And uh, you know, it's a sample size of about 2000. So take it for what it is. It is, seems representative, but really the, the time spent on YouTube was really glaring between the two generations. Yeah, that, and, and I do wonder about that trend too, uh, as far as how mature uh, was YouTube or how mature Absolutely. was, uh, you know, alternative means of getting content uh, early in your life. Uh, so I do think that is an interesting broader trend where like we're, we've all been around, um, you know, YouTube, many of us since its inception. And it, it is interesting to think about Generation Z uh, versus Gen X, where uh, also I do find it interesting that uh, I just feel like the people who name generations uh, are getting pretty lazy. Yeah. So like, you know, Gen X uh, in some ways was lazy to begin with. At least millennials, like there is a millennial thing there and you're naming it. Uh, and then by the time you get to Gen Z, you're like, well, uh, don't really have much else. Uh, let's call, I guess millennials would have been Gen Y. And then yes. uh, if you're going in order, and that's also why it's a problem to, to name the next generation. Like, what, what are we going to call them? I've heard them uh, referred to as generation, the alpha generation, uh, which, which is a little out there. Uh, but, um, but people who are born now, children who are born now, are actually the generation after Gen Z, uh, which, which is interesting. But, um, but in some ways, I wonder how much uh, these trends are... Uh, are actually broader. So like, are, is everyone consuming more content from YouTube? Uh, I think yes. Is everyone going to, uh, to YouTube for certain like real time, I need to know it now, uh, content? I think yes. And then at the same time, I think more and more content generation, generators are realizing there's a growing audience who wants short form how-to content, just in time, micro learning, so, uh, you know, they're almost responding to that need and they're also responding to the level to which YouTube is becoming a sort of a primary source of quick information. So, um, which is why generational thinking is always interesting to me, where I think it's helpful to have these structures to understand broader trends and to talk about uh, how people are influenced by uh, the way their parents thought and, uh, you know, by the way uh, the world has changed by the time they're growing up. But it is only like really one one cut, um, and and related point is like, you know the 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 Pearson survey and some of the Pew research we've looked at, 
Um, I, I prefer it when it's trying to cut across all generations rather than, you know, just, let's just tease out the distinctions between, um, you know, Gen Z and millennials, like more broadly, how are, how are trends occurring within the individual generations that are out there at the same time? So like how much is, uh, is Gen X listening to podcasts and how much are that, is that increasing? How much are they going to YouTube and how much, you know, how much are they cutting cords? Um, and then how much are the emerging generations, uh, you know, this gets back to the notion of digital natives, how much are they not even making uh, the intentional choice to change their behaviors versus just growing up uh, with that as the expectation? I've heard a lot of talk about, um, you know, millennials, and I imagine this will extend into, into Gen Z, um, that uh, they're growing up with apps as just being around. So, if they need something, their first instinct is, I'm gonna to go to the app store and see if there's an app that's gonna help me figure this thing out. Uh, same thing with YouTube, where like, hmm, not really sure uh, you know, how to tie my ascot, because uh, I hear that's, that's a really hot, hot trend uh, among- You do uh, live in Brooklyn, so. Yes, yes it's true. <laughs> I don't know if ascots are prevalent in, in Brooklyn just yet, but, but it's probably coming. Um, but, uh, but it's very different uh, now where these tools are immediately available sure. to us. So, uh, obviously you just go to them cause they're there. Whereas, you know, when, uh, when I was growing up there, if you needed to figure something out, um, you either had to be resourceful and creative and, uh, figure it out, or you'd be frustrated and you'd have to learn how to deal with the frustration and the boredom. Um, or you would go to like, like your world book uh, encyclopedia. Exactly. And browse. Uh, and, you know, the world functioned. And, uh, and the world will continue to function, uh, you know, I, I imagine, I hope, uh, you know, even in these, in these new contexts. But it is really interesting to me how uh, there are changes to behavior that are happening among the emerging generations, which is interesting. But the other angle that is interesting is for the older generations, how much are they adopting these changes yep. versus how much are they, uh, are we uh, fixed in our thinking so that we're saying, well, you know, I, I came up, you know, I, I kind of got into Facebook and now, now I'm really a Facebook person and, uh, and don't, don't introduce me to, to the Snapchats and uh, the Instagrams and the, the Twitters because I'm really a Facebook person versus the trends among the, the older generations. Cause like, um, I think it's a lot easier as an as a native consumer of a platform to uh, to just to accept it and treat it as an expectation versus uh, requiring yourself to change your behavior. And then I think the flip side is true um, for uh, for the younger generations too, where like if their parents uh, adopted Facebook, to your point, um, they don't necessarily want to adopt what what the older generations did, and they want to actually signal. No, nah, we're new, we're modern, we're kind of getting this stuff in a different way. Um, and I think all those trends are interesting. And, uh, you know, we keep gravitating back to it because we're, uh, we're looking at trends. And so much of trends uh, do involve understanding what are all of the different generations doing right. and, um, you know, really people throughout their lives. So um, I found this one fascinating, really just to try to tease out the distinction between uh, millennials and gen x and then uh 
assuming you're a millennial then like so like where you where you're a millennial hat right now sure. um i think there's a new thing happening too where there's almost like a you know you talked about uh birth order and uh the importance of birth order i think would be a really interesting uh topic for us to come back to on a future show but like how do the generations think about each other and yep. how much rivalry you know generational rivalry is starting to emerge between millennials and uh and gen z I think you lots of great stuff. One, you talking about the apps. Uh, our Roku remote broke, uh-huh. so I had the immediate reaction of, "Well, I guess I have to go Google buying a new remote." Right. And then I realized, wait, let me see if there's an app, and I can actually now control my Roku from my cell phone. So, right. uh, like that blew my mind that that was possible. But I, I, I had the growth mindset to think maybe there's another solution here, sure. other than paying. Twenty nine ninety nine for them to ship me a new remote control. Typical, um, typical millennial. Exactly. Um, what I find really intriguing is you go on a Twitter, Facebook, any of these social media platforms. You talk to someone uh, in your hometown about you know millennials and the stereotypes that come with it. The they're lazy, they don't want to do, and you still see it. It's prevalent. Um, I'm intrigued the same way you are of of how the worm will turn for Gen Z with millennials. Like what what will be that sort of stereotype that becomes almost prevalent, too prevalent, uh, and uh, what will that focus be? How will they try to put them down? And I think you made a great point, and it's one I would love to see research more of. It's not about generations. It's not about how old you are. It's the mindset you have of, of what you're doing. And so throughout each generation, there are people with open minds who will want to continually change and improve and grow, um, and there are people who will be fixed in their ways. And fine, it may slowly increase with evolution that there are more people with open minds because of technology and because of what's in front of them. But I think that's the point here, that, that what you have in front of you is, is the world. So someone who is 70 years old mm-hmm. may be going to YouTube to find out how to do things because mm-hmm. they were taught to do it or they figured it out themselves. That's where I find it intriguing. Your, your point, consumption amongst everyone. Mm-hmm. Or is everyone adopting YouTube as a learning platform? Is right. everyone doing those? And at what level? And that as a sort of chart overlaid on top of this research by Pearson comparing two generations, the intergeneration and the intragenerational idea here, I think is a really intriguing one that I'd love to see more stats around. I use YouTube. I've talked about it before. Yep. Um, I do it a lot for how-to stuff. Um, I've done a couple of online courses. I'm not very good at them. I'm trying to be better about them. Um, I, I do learn best by doing. That's a, how I've always learned is by breaking something and building it back up or, or, you know, learning an app by sort of deconstructing it, breaking it, and then, you know, learning how to use it correctly. Right. Um, YouTube, I think, helps to an extent because it humanizes the learning. If right. someone's teaching me, I, I get to see what they're doing, especially the, the DIY or the how-to things, um, which I find really intriguing is that part of the, the, the draw as well is it there's almost the human interest story of it the, the yep. connectivity between people um and we had to the other point we had encyclopedias and uh my my middle brother steven would uh just read them would just yep. sit down and sort of flip through find a topic and read about it um but when you had a problem you'd have to have to solve it either by reading by researching yourself or asking someone yeah um and it's not that different now it, you either ask somebody online, you post right. a question to Twitter, you post a question to Facebook, um, you look on YouTube, which is almost encyclopedia-like in that it has all these topics, um, or you, you do research in another way. So as much as things change, the more they stay the same, right? That's the cliche is I think we do see learning patterns change with digital things, Mike, 
Mm. But I do think you're seeing a lot of the same stereotypes and a lot of the same things come up again and again, because as you point out, point out, we're all people, right? Yep. We're all learning and we're all trying to get better or grow. Right. Um, I think this ad week is a lot, there's a lot more to dive into, a lot more to discuss. Uh, would be great to get Brandon's point of view on this. And of course, uh, Tarlin too. Uh, yeah. We have uh, Dan Gonzalez coming up uh, as a show as well, where he talks about Gen Z and workforce readiness. I think that ties in here uh, as well. And there, there's new media, right? We've talked about it a lot here on the podcast, Mike. Um, the New York Times Magazine is doing something pretty intriguing this weekend um, where they're not, having print. <laughs> they're getting rid of the print version. They're going to audio. Right. Um, now, we talked before we started recording about, well, is this focused on millennials? Like, are they trying to get millennials to maybe read a magazine that they're only getting Gen Xers and, and older to read at present? They haven't said why. I haven't seen why. But really mm -hmm. intriguing that we're seeing this new media adoption from New York Times Magazine on their weekend edition. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, interesting there that it's a combination of audio replacing text and visual content, yep. which we've talked about a ton on the show. And um, I do think the desire, uh, you know, again, some of this is more lore than perhaps reality. But to your point, um, once these ideas get out there, they do become reinforcing and people start believing in the stereotype. And then they start saying, oh, that's so me. Yep. That's who I am. That's exactly how I behave. And then that kind of reinforces the idea in their minds. But the interesting thing about um, reading, which we've been talking about a lot, and, uh, and sort of how our, our brains evolved over the years, um, we didn't really evolve to read. Like we evolved to understand storytelling and narrative and human interaction. And in some ways, like the oral tradition and the idea of uh, seeing another person uh, while you're consuming content is more what we're wired to do. Just the power of looking at a human face uh, is very uh, profound. Uh, and it is something that is, it's in how our brains work. And, uh, and the idea that you, we can sort of harness the power of our visual uh, perception to read is fascinating. And uh, I was talking to Larry Rudman, who, who was a guest on a show recently, and, uh, you know, he's asking some interesting questions where, like, reading is a bit of a, uh, an anomaly in a way. And uh, while it, it does help with the development of our ability to go deep, uh, you know, getting back to that, that, so, that notion of cognitive patience, um, there are ways in which we can force our brains, because they're such malleable things, to, um, to sort of do things that maybe uh, evolution was not planning for. In some ways, evolution gave us a lot of flexibility. The ability to harness that flexibility is what allowed us to, to really thrive and succeed. Um, but reading is a really interesting idea because like the idea that our eyes that really evolved to, uh, to hunt, gather, and uh, avoid danger yep. um, are now being harnessed in this somewhat... Um, somewhat arbitrary uh, tactic of looking at uh, very small characters uh, on some sort of visual device uh, to, to learn uh, and sort of expand our thinking. Um, it is interesting because it's both like contrary to maybe our primary evolutionary path, but also I think from a cognitive perspective, it opens up worlds and it opens up a level of imagination um, that I think is fascinating. And then what the Times is doing, uh, and I'm really excited to check it out, 
is um is sort of harnessing the power of audio and voice in lieu of text and then freeing up our eyes in some ways to do what they do best. Yep. And by no means am I saying stop reading because I actually think reading- That's what I was getting out of it, to be honest. No. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I listen to books all the time. Yep. But, uh, but what I found really interesting about uh, what The Times is doing, uh, and we've talked about it on the show, is that in some ways it's exploring uh, multimedia in new ways. And the idea of static images paired with audio, I find fascinating as well. And like, interestingly, how would, how would Gen Z, uh, the so-called YouTube generation, respond to the idea of like audio that then they could sort of pair with visuals, but then navigate the visuals somewhat at their own, um, you know, that they, can, they actually have some agency around what are, what are they actually looking at um, and, and that to me is interesting in, in, on a number of levels too, because like YouTube, it's micro, but it's generally a lean back experience where yep. like I hit play and then it just, it just kind of washes over me. Similar to, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was, uh, for some reason I, on my, uh, my Apple TV, uh, I was watching, uh, the Steve Jobs, uh, Bill Gates interview on an old, uh, Recode conference, uh, uh, you know several years back and it was a fascinating interview, but then I let YouTube uh, autoplay and it wound up being like a jobs-a-thon. Like I, yep. was, I was just watching uh, and actually walking around, you know, cleaning up my apartment. I was listening to Steve Jobs videos on YouTube. And um, I think that is an interesting thing too, where like, it's nice to have the option to look at content. And uh, it is interesting, uh, you know, getting back to the sort of the Gen Z YouTube angle, you know, podcasts, video podcasts uh, are, are an interesting format uh, that, that I think we're curious about uh, as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm curious, really would love to hear more from, uh, from our listeners and or viewers uh, as we, we stand up our video podcasting capability here. Um, what, what do folks think? And, uh, and then you touched on it a little bit then too, like um, I think it can get dangerous to start thinking about how generations are different rather than uh, trying to understand how they're the same. Right. And then also trying to understand their differences as, um, I don't know, problematic or like a forced choice, like a Sophie's choice. Like, are you going to develop YouTube for, for Gen Z or are you going to develop uh, books for boomers? Uh, by the way, hashtag books for boomers, uh, nice hashtag. Or are you going to develop, um, you know, podcasts for millennials or at the end of the day, uh, the bigger thing is how do we understand uh, intergenerational diversity and yep. the idea that we all need to learn how to learn from each other and how to be exposed to each other. Um, and that was the other article that, that, that you and I were talking about, Dan, too, is the problem of uh, generational segregation and how increasingly, uh, particularly among the older generations, but really throughout our culture, um, generations are not mixing it up as much as they could. And there's tremendous benefit, you know, to uh, trying to capture the information of and, and the learnings of the older set, you know, like, there's a reason why humans for years have really respected their elders yep. and treated their elders and the, the older generations as these tremendous sources of truth and value. And now it almost seems like in this uh, media age and this marketing age, it's all like, 
which demographic is going to be the most beneficial as a as a market and let's make sure we get out ahead of them first so um yeah so much stuff going on i'm i'm glad we're knocking out this extra dan i know i know we were we were on the fence but i but i feel like uh i feel like we're landing it we're landing our tumbling run uh, as we've been known to do uh as bella corelli once said you can do it um i so much that you just said and one maybe we'll come back to as we are coming up on time here um a lot of points honestly i I have one about the uh, idea of evolution and reading but i i will pose that on a separate podcast i think um the one about uh respecting the elders you made the point before along the evolution lines and that we were storytellers and it was about oral history i think that's part of it I, i think that we have shifted away from the oral history, the, the elders had the stories. The elders were the ones with the wisdom, with the knowledge that they passed on to future generations. And it wasn't just family history, but it was you know history of their people or history of their neighborhood or history of their land and uh, history of, of recipes and, and family things. I, that I find really interesting and wonder if um, there isn't uh, hopefully a way back to that because of technology. Uh, sharing the stories of uh, the older generations and, and preserving them properly uh, to be shared in the future. But I think that's a, maybe a topic uh, for another time. Uh, honestly, great content. Mike uh, just made point. Uh, we, we, we landed the, the extra because we thought there was a lot to talk about. Uh, hopefully, uh, Brandon will back, be back with us soon uh, and uh, join us on these discussions. And as I said, uh, on Tuesday, you will hear from Dan Gonzalez, Uh, He is a former colleague of ours, but more importantly, he and his wife uh, started a brand new startup uh, called District C, and you'll hear about uh, how they're focused on workforce readiness for high schoolers and how they're trying to combat the issue that uh, so many employers are saying uh, so few college graduates are ready to actually join uh, the ranks of the workforce. So that is on Tuesday morning. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know on Twitter, as always, at Trending in Ed. Let us know on Facebook. It's the same, trendingeducation.com. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you like, uh, what you want to hear more of, what topics you want to hear about. Leave us a comment on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you listen, uh, and shoot us uh, an email, podcast at kaplan.com. With that said, thanks so much for listening to this extra. We'll be back on Tuesday with the next Trending in Education. 